0: Uh, My name is Jeremy Anderson. I serve here as the middle school ministries director, so that's right. They're letting the youth pastor preach on Sunday morning, so we'll figure out what that means here in a little bit, but hopefully it's not a terrible thing. I was watching TV recently, which I don't do a whole lot of, but I saw this commercial uh, for a new shoe, a new shoe that was coming out. It was a basketball shoe, so uh, this morning you're going to hear me talk a little bit about basketball as we go through this, because basketball was a huge part of my life uh, growing up and still something that I really enjoy, and this commercial came on for this new basketball shoe. And you know how these commercials go, right? It they, they comes on the TV and it shows this brand new cool looking shoe. And um, the person wearing it is some ridiculously fit athlete who can do amazing things. And you watch them making great cuts and sinking jump shots and dunking the ball. And you're like, wow, maybe if I got that shoe, I could do that, right? And I remember as a kid, I used to think that, you know, you'd see the TV commercials. You remember seeing the Gatorade commercials and they sweat like red and you're like i got to get Gatorade, that would be really cool. Because as a kid, you just look at it and you take it at face value. And had I actually gone forward and bought that new shoe, I would have been really disappointed when I found out that the baller skills do not come with the purchase of the merchandise. Right? I would have been really disappointed when I slipped those new shoes on, stepped out on the court and expected to perform like LeBron James or Steph Curry or whatever, and I, I couldn't. I'd be like, but I bought these shoes. What's going on? They should probably put a disclaimer in there about that just for, you know, those who do buy them thinking that the skills come with. But anyways, I, I thought this recently too about myself. About a week ago, I, I took my brother-in-law golfing for his birthday, and I, I enjoy golfing, but I'm terrible at golf, all right? So if you ever, if you're good and you want to take me out and teach me something, I'll totally go because uh, I got to learn a thing or two. And, and we, were, we were on the course golfing, and I stopped for a second, and I thought to myself, man, I think I kind of look the part of a golfer right now. I got some golf cleats on, a a decent set of clubs in the back of the cart, got this sweet hat, sporty jacket, golf glove. I'm like, hmm, I'm the guy that I would look at and think, he must be good at golf. He must know what he's doing. And I I stopped and thought, I'm like, I wonder how many people I have fooled right now. And so then, then it becomes the mission. Don't let anybody see you take a golf swing because they'll realize just how bad you are. Right, And I think it's common knowledge to all of us that uh, many of you are involved in sports some way, somehow. You were growing up, or now you have kids who are involved in sports. And it seems to be that we get it that when it comes to sports, you can't just put on the equipment and suddenly become a great athlete. But we're going to talk about this same idea in our spiritual lives this morning. So I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 4. We're going to look at, uh, start in verse 6. If you're using the Pew Bible, it's on page 992. 1 Timothy was a a letter written by the Apostle Paul to a a young pastor named Timothy, uh, if you didn't catch it from the name. And um, what Paul was instructing Timothy in this letter was how to conduct himself as the pastor of a church and how to lead his people. And the portion of this letter that we're going to be looking at this morning is, is a place where Paul is talking about an antidote or some instructions to lead people away from or out of uh, religious apostasy or religious laziness. So we're going to dive in this morning, see what God's Word has to say, and then uh, we will get out of here in a reasonable amount of time. So let's start in verse 6. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. God, yeah, we are thankful for the opportunity to come and gather. We're thankful for warmer weather being here. that We can enjoy being outside. And God, now as we spend this time together, Father, I ask that you would just speak through me, God, the truths from your word would be hammered home in our hearts, that we would be able to walk away with something and know that we we had a moment with you this morning, God, uh, here at Village Bible Church. And we, we pray this for your glory's sake, not for the sake of the, the name of a church or the name of a person or ourselves, but that, that God would be made great here in the Fox Valley area. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. So with this warmer weather has come the beginning of track season and baseball season, as many of you guys are involved in, I know this, um, because I'm the middle school youth pastor. Once the warmer weather hits, our numbers go, and you start asking kids, where have you been? they're like... Oh, I got track practice every day, or I got meets throughout the week. I got 14 different baseball practices on two days of the week. You're like, how many baseball teams are you on? Six. Okay, you know, I don't know how you do that, but baseball and track are here. And for you parents, this is different than for the kids. The kids are like, yes! baseball's here, I get to go play, and the parents, you get excited too, but you also have four kids on four different teams that are practicing and playing in four different places on the same day at the same time, and you're just trying to figure out how to get everybody to the places they need to be at the right time so they can practice, and then all at the same time, you're trying to make it to that track meet for your other kid that you almost forgot about because you were driving the other ones around, right? It's a busy time of year. It's very busy. But... Having been someone who grew up in sports, I know the the discipline and the practice and the hard work that goes into training and preparing for athletic events and games. And when you go to practice, practice is one of those things you either love it or you hate it. When I was in high school, I hated basketball practice. I loved basketball, but I hated practice. Because our coach would always tell us, Practice is not for your enjoyment. It is to get better. When he, when he brought that up at the beginning of practice, you knew you were in for a hard one. You're like, oh no. But practice would involve doing drills that you would do over and over and over again to refine and develop skills that you could then later apply in a game to outcompete your opponent and win. Right? That's the goal of practice, is to develop and become better. What Paul is going to be talking about this morning is to be practicing or dis- disciplining yourself, training yourself spiritually for godliness, right? So we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines today. We're, we're going to kind of fly through four different things that I'm going to see comes out of this passage that Paul has to talk about in 1 Timothy 4, and we're going to see that the spiritual disciplines are a Christian's training camp, a Christian's training camp. So the first thing we want to look at with the spiritual disciplines is that they are Uh, demonstrated in Scripture. And this is important. You have to start here because what can so easily happen is we start to say, well, you know what? Going and watching Netflix for six hours tomorrow, that is, that is my spiritual discipline. I feel so connected to God when I'm watching Netflix. Or maybe you like hunting. You're like, you know what? My spiritual discipline is to hunt or get under the hood of a car and work on it or baking may be my spiritual discipline or maybe playing baseball, whatever it may be. But what we have to remember is that spiritual disciplines come out of scripture they're either taught or modeled in the pages of the bible um, as things that we should do so no netflix isn't a spiritual discipline no hunting is not your spiritual discipline those may be things where you feel connected with god you know i like going on hikes and in the forest preserves and stuff and i i feel more connected to god when i go do that but that's not necessarily my spiritual discipline But it's a place that I can engage in my spiritual discipline. spiritual disciplines such as studying the Bible, being prayerful, fasting, fellowship. As you guys were all doing a little bit ago, all the talking, what a great spiritual discipline to come and gather with other believers and, and fellowship with each other and confession. These are just a few of the spiritual disciplines that we find in the Bible. And Paul says in here, don't. Don't have any time to do a silly myths, right? Your, your translations might have all kinds of different ways of putting it. The old woman's tales, I think, is one translation, as they, they say. And, and we live in a world now where blogs are like a big thing, right? Everybody's blogging about something. And if you were to go online and find a, how do I become a a disciplined Christian? And you start reading all these blogs, you might find five million different tips as to how you become a disciplined believer or a godly believer. And, And many times, they don't have much to do with the spiritual disciplines. They got all these crafty, new, trendy things. If you could do this and do that, you might find yourself being more disciplined or more godly, right? But the... True spiritual disciplines come strictly out of the pages of Scripture. And it's important to note that they are sufficient for godliness, right? We don't have to add a million things on top of these to become godly. It's not like God saying, here's a start, I'll get you started. Now you go and you figure out the rest. Right? You experiment with some things, go check out the websites, go buy a few books, maybe attend a conference and you'll figure it all out. Right, You'll get the rest of the stuff later um, from people who are more advanced. No, God has given us, each of us, no matter where you are, if you're a new believer or a, or a veteran saint, he's given us what is uh, sufficient for godliness in his word. The question is, do we apply those disciplines in our lives? The second thing is spiritual disciplines are driven by right motivations. This is one of those topics, and when you start to challenge people on it, and I know talking with uh, kids a lot, I'll, I'll say, how, how are you doing? Are you reading your Bible or anything? Like, no, not really. They, they start to feel really discouraged and, and beat up, and that's, that's never the goal, right? Because if, if that's how we're coming at this, all of a sudden we're, we're doing it to compare with other people. We can quickly become Pharisees with our uh, spiritual disciplines, right? I, I read the Bible more than anybody else. I read it. I know more. I've memorized more scripture than my friends have. I've, I can quote anything. I know exactly where this passage is. And one thing I absolutely love about Mario, I have a lot of respect for Mario. He has challenged me a lot to know the Bible, right? Because you'll he'll talk, he'll be talking about something and um, you'll, you'll give your answer to whatever question he'll say. And he'll say, now where is that in the Bible? And you're like, mm, I know it's there, but now I don't know where it is there. And, and he's encouraging others to know their Bible, to memorize Scripture, be familiar with the words of God, right? Um, But we don't want to go and say, hey, you know, I I pray so much more so that other people look at me and say, well, look at Jeremy. He has a... A great prayer life. I would just love to pray like that. If that were my motivation to look back and see who's following me, who who are the people that are taking my example and following after me, suddenly my motivations aren't for godliness, right? As Paul says, we, we train for godliness because our hope is set on our God, our Savior, right? That is our goal. We are to be looking forward and striving after God with everything. And if God so chooses to let you be a leader to other people, that other people come and follow your example. That's great. What an awesome blessing. But if you're worried about trying to go this way, but all the while you're looking back to see, you ever ridden a bike and try to do that? What happens? You start going all over the place. You run off the path. You do crazy stuff. You run into a tree. I don't know. Because you're supposed to keep looking forward. Let God bring those people behind you, but you worry about pursuing godliness. Let that be your motivation. Your motivation is to become like God, to resemble His character in your life. Right? Those difficult days of practice. What gets you through the hard practices? The motivation to win. Like, I want to I compete. I want to win. My senior year, we we at the beginning, our team meeting at the beginning of the year said, This is our time. We're going to win the state championship this year. I don't care what it takes. We're going to work as hard as we have to do. We're going to win the state championship. So when we're doing practice and our coaches had us run 800 down and backs because we can't get 10 rebounds in a row, and we're like, what is going on? We're like, okay, we got to win. right? We're trying to win. We want to work hard to win right now. And your motivation is what gets you through. Your motivation is what drives you. So if your motivation is to see who can come behind you, you're not going to be as driven to pursue godliness because what happens when you start to notice a few people behind you? You're like, hey, good, I'm doing something. Pat myself on the back. Great job. Great job, Jeremy. I've got some followers. But if your motivation is godliness, you're going to know it, this, is, this is tough. It's going to take some work, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But if I'm pursuing godliness, I know that I've always got to keep working. I've always got areas where I can grow. So if I have two people following me, if I have 800 people following me, I have zero people following me. I know that I am to pursue God in all that I do and pursue godliness because my hope is set in eternity. That's, that's a great hope that we have as believers, right? We're not just bound by this life and the, the pressures of this world, but we get to hope for something that's far greater. That's what Paul says. Listen, training your body is is good, but training for godliness is better, right? And we're we're big on this whole training your body thing right now, right? Everyone's getting back into exercising, eating healthy, and you know, we will push ourselves so hard. Some of you are training for a marathon right now. Good job. I'm not. But we'll, we'll push ourselves. And we'll discipline ourselves. And it's hard, but our goal is to complete something, right? And if we can have the motivation to take care of our physical bodies and what God has given us, which is good just for this life, how much better is it to train for godliness? As Paul says, which is not good for just this life, but life in eternity as well. So their spiritual disciplines are driven by right motivations. Thirdly, Our spiritual disciplines demand concentrated effort. This is where the sales pitch hits a brick wall, right? You can do a great sales pitch, sales pitch for anything, and all of a sudden when you tell someone, it's going to be hard. You just, nope, done. I don't want to do it anymore. We live in a world that has become so uh, obsessed at times with convenience, not that that's bad. I love convenience, right? I worked for uh, my uncle, and one of his sayings when I worked for him was always work smarter, not harder, right? If you, can, if you can outsmart whatever you're having to do, you don't have to work so hard to get it done. Get it done, but use your head. So convenience isn't bad, right? Convenience is a good thing, and we'll pay for convenience. Things that you could do yourself... But it would be more convenient if somebody else did it for you. You pay a fee to that person, they'll take care of it for you, and, and it's done, right? That's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, you know, there's a couple of convenient things that I really like. Uh, the first one, Amazon Prime, two-day shipping. Pretty awesome stuff, right? That's pretty convenient. You want to know why? Because I hate going to the store. I hate it. I, like, I go into a store and I just, I get a headache. I'm like, oh, I just want to get out of here, right? This is, this is torture. But how easy is it to go on Amazon? Da, 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 you can find anything on Amazon. And I'll click. Two days it will be here. Great. I'm going to have to leave my house. Psh, awesome. Convenience. Great thing. I haven't used the second one yet, but uh, I've noticed it a lot. And I don't know if any of you guys have used it, but did you know that Uber Eats is now partnering with McDonald's? Did you know that? you could have your McDonald's delivered to your house. As if fast food wasn't convenient enough, and you don't, even, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can drive through, tell someone what you want, you drive up next to a window, you give them your money, they give you food, and you drive away. How convenient is that? Well, apparently, not enough. So now, you can go on your little handy-dandy smartphone, McDonald's, go to their app, order, and someone will bring it to you. Who's gonna try that? <laughs> Alright, we got one little guy who's like, That's lunch today. <laughs> we got it, right? We live we we live in this mindset, we want to have convenience, right? Convenience is is not a terrible thing. Where it becomes dangerous is when it has to do with your spirituality, your your walk with the Lord, right? Because that's going to take work, just like any relationship does. If if you want to skirt through on on easiness and convenience with all of your relationships with your spouse, your kids, the rest of your family, your friends, your small group, if you're just wanting convenient, you're not going to see those relationships flourish and thrive, right? A relationship that's worth it is worth the effort to go in. And the same is true with our spiritual life. How often do we have a, a conflict in our life? Maybe you're, you have a, some conflict in your marriage. And you're like, you know what, I'm gonna, we're going to go to a marriage conference. And you go to a marriage conference, and then you, you go home from the marriage conference thinking, hey, this is going to have solved all the problems. And you get home, and you realize the problems are still there. And you're like, that conference was terrible. It didn't fix anything. Or you go away on a retreat and you're like, you have this great time, right? You're gone. One thing we do, we take the kids to fall camp, right? And we tell them to put their phones away for the weekend. What? No phones? Trust me, you'll like it. Some are, some don't. I give them that. But others are like, you know, that was actually really nice. And they spend a weekend and they're they're focused on God and the being with the people around them, right? There, there's focused time to be studying God's Word, meditating on it, praying, and, and you walk away from this weekend, you're on this what we now call a spiritual high, and you're like, this is great, I, I, I love the Lord so much right now, this is so exciting, so much fun, and then three days back into home, you're like, gone. What happened? What happened? You notice anything interesting there? Spiritual disciplines of studying God's Word, being prayerful, meditating on it, fellowshipping with other believers, We can come back home and get so thrown into the busyness of life that we start to neglect those things again. And that spiritual high starts to fade away. We sort of say, well, that was a good retreat, but it didn't really actually change anything for me. You read a book. Here's this book. It's new. It's going to tackle all these issues. And you read it and you go through and you're still facing those issues, right? You see where this is all going. Those things are good, but they're a start. They're a starting point. Start there, but then work at it. Work with the Lord. Discipline yourself. Train yourself for godliness. If it's worth it to run six miles in one day, you're crazy, but you can do it because it's worth it to you. You want to keep your body in shape. You want to be healthy. You are going to watch what you eat. I love chocolate cake shakes. They're really bad for you. Sometimes you have to say no because you're like, I've got to watch my figure. Right? Your goal, your end goal will motivate you to make the right decisions in the process. And when it comes to our spirituality, there's times where we don't really know what our end goal is, right? You get somebody who comes up and says, hey, you need to read the Bible. Great. I'm going to read the Bible. Okay, you're going to get into this and you're going to fail. Okay, you're going to fail. And a lot of times what we'll do is we'll, we'll approach a spiritual discipline like reading the Bible. And we're going to say, I'm going to read the Bible every single day for a year. You know what? I'm going to read the Bible in a year. The whole thing, cover to cover. Wait till you hit Leviticus. Right? That's when all of a sudden. Or the, or the genealogies in Genesis. And you're like, can't get through this. And then you stop for a day. You stop for two days, three days, a month. And all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, I was all motivated. I wanted to do this, and now I've failed. Don't let your fear of failure stop you from starting, right? You're going to slip up. We're humans. We fail. But don't let that discourage you. What matters is what you do in response. To that. you need to get back up and say, you know what, I missed today, but let me, let me get back into God's word. I haven't been praying as much as I'd like to be praying, and spending that devoted time with God, where where I'm not distracted by a million other things. And you know what? Let me let me get back to that. Let me set that apart in my schedule. I was talking to a a teacher at Harder Middle School this week, and um, just yesterday, and she was, or no, Friday night. And we were talking about family stuff. And she was saying, well, we, I know these families, they just don't really do anything now. And I'm like, well, okay, I don't know where this is going, you know. And, you know, she started talking about nobody eats dinner together. It's like not important for people. And I was like, well, I know, people are really busy. They're, they're always running around. She's like, I know, people always just tell me they don't have time for this. They don't have time to get their homework done. They don't have time to spend as a family. But you know what's true? You do have time for what's important to you. You have time. It's there. Everybody's got the same amount of time. It's what you choose to do with it, right? So developing your spiritual disciplines in pursuit of godliness may be something where it takes time right now and you have to be willing to say no to something that's good to make time for something that's better. Say no to the good for what's better and say, you know what? What I need right now, I, if I'm so busy that by the time the end of the day comes, I'm too tired to crack open God's word. Is there something in there that you can say, you know what? I need to say no to this for a season to develop this discipline. And then when you do, do not go and just jump in, you know, going guns blazing, like I'm going to read the Bible every single day. If you don't read the Bible at all right now, committing to read the Bible every single day is probably a bit overkill for you. Start smaller. For those of you training for the marathon, you don't train for a marathon by running a marathon. You start with smaller sprints, then longer. You build endurance and discipline and strength that you might be able to later run the full marathon. So don't do that with your your spiritual walk, where you just jump in and say, you know what, I'm going to read all of Romans in one day. I'm going to read Leviticus twice this week. Start small with something Realistic. Stick with it. Build the discipline. Build your endurance spiritually. And pay attention as you go through, right? Because God's Word says this is for godliness. It's for godliness. It's not just for nothing. But you have the opportunity as you go through, as you exercise your body, you start to see progress. You see growth. You might see yourself losing a little weight. You might see yourself being able to run a little faster, run a little farther. What about your spiritual disciplines? Are you, are you watching to, to see the fruit of, your spirit, of the Spirit in your life? Are you seeing those things develop, the way you interact with people? do you notice that all of a sudden that, that uh, crazy uh, coworker that you have that always just gets on your nerves, suddenly they're, n- they're not quite on your nerves quite as much? You're, you're able to be a little more patient with them, a little more caring towards them, treating them kindly, and you're like, where'd that come from? Maybe you were developing yourself spiritually. It's going to take hard work. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be difficult at times. It's going to be at times you're, you're laying in bed and you have to stop and say, wait a minute, I need to crack open the Bible real quick. It's making a decision in the moment to do something, right? If you're eating healthy and that chocolate cake shakes in front of you, you're like, no. i got to say no right now. Carrie knows this, Carrie McGuire. Love that lady? She puts candy on the counter in the office. Really helps, right? You walk by and you're like, hmm, yeah, uh, yeah, uh," and you walk away, right? It's making that decision in the moment. When you could choose something else to say, hmm, nope, I'm going to set this time aside for God. I'm going to grow. I'm going to seek the Lord. Pursue godliness in my life. And don't do it with the mindset of, I just have to do it. But, you know, as Paul wrote this letter to Timothy, he, he said to put this in front of the, the brothers. And, and the wording behind all that, he doesn't say, hey, go smash it over their head and say, you've got to read the Bible. You've got to pray more. You're failing. You're miserably failing. What is wrong with you? He says, no, just go present it to them. Put it in front of them. As if with the heart that God may motivate them from within themselves to want to do this, right? If your motivation to become a disciplined and godly Christian is because somebody stood up on a stage and said, you've got to do it, you're going to run into a wall at about day four of trying. you will be like, I can't. It's just not there. The heart's not there. But be praying that God will give you a heart for godliness and let that be your pursuit. It demands concentrated effort. Lastly, it develops godly character, develops godly character this this is the end goal. This is it. My senior year, with all those uh, hard practices they they paid off come March. Our team walked off the court with the state championship. We blew the other teams out of the water, kind of bragging for a second. I know it's bad. But that was the moment. I, I remember standing on the court as that buzzer sounded at the end. And I was like, wow, we, we did it. We've worked so hard. We've sweat so much. We've dealt with sprained ankles and pulled muscles and cuts. And for this, this is it. We, we did it. This was our goal, was to win the state championship. And we worked hard and we got it done. Godliness, godly character, is the end goal of your spiritual discipline. Right? Going to practice didn't make me a great basketball player. I'll be honest, I'm really not a great basketball player, but... Just simply being there didn't change. Just simply reading your Bible doesn't just mean, oh, I, I read my Bible, I, I'm a godly Christian now, I'm, I'm a developed and I, I'm disciplined. It takes time. But this is the end goal. It develops godly character. It doesn't just end all of a sudden like, boom, one day and you're done. No, Paul used the word... Uh, to train or discipline. He was thinking of the, the Greek games as they trained and disciplined to go and compete for the public games. He says you do it over and over again and it develops those skills. It develops over time. Don't stop and think, hey, I, I'm a month in, I'm done. Or you know what, I, I've been a Christian for 35 years and I don't, I don't really need to be that disciplined. I think I know what I need to know. I've I got the basics down. Or, you know, I go to church, I'm involved, I I go on Sunday mornings, maybe I teach a Sunday school class, or I go to small group. Just doing those things doesn't necessarily make you a mature believer, but they develop those qualities within you, right? The spiritual disciplines aren't who you are. They're things that you do to develop the things that are who you are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? the fruits of the Spirit. Those aren't spiritual disciplines, but those are the fruits of spiritual disciplines as you grow and develop as, as a believer in Jesus Christ. Some of you may be sitting and, and asking yourself, you know what, I, I, I don't feel like I've been growing lately. I feel like I've kind of just been staying steady, you know. Maybe I'm even struggling a bit with my walk with the Lord. and uh, I don't really know what to do about this. I, I don't know how to develop this. I, I was growing, and, and now I'm not. And well, Are you training? Are you spending that time with the Lord? Are you investing your time in it? Make that a priority in your daily life. We can set apart time for doing any number of things, and that's easy, but what about your, your spirituality? Your walk with God? your relationship with Jesus Christ, right? He is our Savior. He has saved you. Spend that time with Him this week. And I am I, sure that, you know, as you get a weekend, a, a month in, to spending this time with God, you're going to see that relationship grow and develop. You're going to see that godly character grow in your life, right? But it starts in your heart that you would be motivated for godliness, that would be your goal in all of this. You know, as we approach the, the summer months, we start to kiss things like routines goodbye, right? School's going to be out. You don't have that routine going on. Some of the sports die down unless you do some travel stuff. So some of those things are gone. You get a little more opportunity. You got other trips that come in. routine isn't as routine as it is during the school year small groups are winding down other program ministry around the church is winding down don't let that pull you away from your spiritual disciplines don't let that pull you away from your walk with god for those who've been in a small group they're great because they, they get you into god's word every single week you're studying a passage you're 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 asking questions of it you're you're meditating on it, that's great. It's it's kind of a program built in spiritual discipline, if you will. Then you go have fellowship with your, your brothers and sisters in Christ. What if you kept that going? Don't don't take a break just because small groups take a break. Keep doing that in your own life. Maybe do it with your family this summer. Say, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna study this together as a family. Maybe invite some of your small group over during the summer months. Say, hey, we're going to have a cookout and it's going to be awesome because we're going to fellowship together and we're going to love it and I'm super excited about it. Maybe don't use those same words, but you, you get the point, right? Don't just stop because programmed things stop. Let holiness and godliness be your motivation. Stephen Cole said that a disciplined Christian is a motivated Christian. We all have motivations. The question is, what are they? Is godliness up there for you? Is that a big motivation for you? Or is it something that kind of sits there and says, if I I get around to it, that's great. What are the driving forces in your life? What are your motivations? And now we're, we're getting out a little bit early today. And that's so you have an opportunity for a couple minutes before you go pick up your kids to fellowship with other believers. Maybe take, take a second and pray with somebody. Maybe you maybe don't have the time as you're, you're rushing all around this place to, to pray for them, but take a second and just say hi. Fellowship with another, another Christian. Encourage them. Let them encourage you. Pray with them. And spur each other on to godliness.